Have you ever been at crossroads where you have to choose between success and happiness? Today's guest assures us that life of our dreams should not come at an unsustainable price. She's a multi-six-figure Fortune 500 sales executive, women's career and life coach, yoga teacher, and author of Unless Your Inner CEO. You can learn more about her and her book at BeccaPowers.com. Welcome to the show, Becca. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Toby. I'm finally here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, after so long time, you know, after months of, you know, trying to connect mm-hmm. and yeah, we finally, finally had the time and I'm so excited about, you know, you've been on the podcast today and everything I'm going to learn from you, from your book. Thank you so much for sending me a copy of, of this wonderful book to me. It's a life-changing book and that's your... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm messing up the name. Unless you're in CEO, you can tell us, more, you know, more, much more better about it. Well, one thing I appreciate more about this book is, you know, as I said before we start recording, is the, you know, each chapter has a um, putting into into practice and also exercise sections where you have the opportunity to reflect, to answer some questions. You know, it's like what you wrote about in the book, like, you know, pause, take a break and reflect, basically. And these sections of the book, at, at the end of each chapter, helps us to, you know, um, pause, reflect, and also find out how we could make use of the things that we've learned from reading each chapter of the book. Thank you so much for this for this wonderful gift. You're welcome. <laughs> so w- would you like to just share your story, like a little bit about your story, how you became, you know, the CEO of your own life? Yes, that'd be awesome. So um, I have been, as you said in your intro, I've been in Fortune 500 sales for the last 20 years of my career, which is most of my adulthood. <laughs> and um, I was back in 2013 that how how this whole concept of you are the CEO of your life really um, first came into my awareness was in the form of like aha moment, right? And I was a regional sales manager for Dell. And I, as a leader, have a charging mantra that people people before profits is what I have in my head. And I like to lead from that place and make decisions from that place because then at least I know they're, they're for my people first. So the long and short is I got recruited by a company that had a very similar philosophy. And so I was like, I thought like the stars aligned and I was like, I must follow this. It's my yeah. passion. I have to go. And um, so I did. And I resigned from Dell and I had to call my VP of sales to resign. And I thought that I would get maybe Mark not rehirable, or I thought I would face some type of rejection or something like that. So I was really scared to make this call, but I had a fantastic leader. And when I called, instead of getting met with rejection, I got met with acceptance. And when I shared with him what I just shared with you and the listeners is that, hey, I I wanted to follow my own, this mission mantra of mine. He got silent and then responded back with, you are the CEO of your life and I am so Mm -hmm. proud of you. And that like melted over me. Mm -hmm. And I got quiet, like just like this. And I was like, oh my gosh that's really cool. You know, what would I do different if I was the CEO of my life? So that's where it came from. 
Oh, that's so beautiful. I can remember, you know, vividly reading this chapter of your book also, where you, you didn't you didn't um, resign to you know to your direct boss, but you went to above him. I mean, that, that was like a big move, basically, like going above your boss to tell him that I'm, I'm sorry, I have to leave this job because it's not people before profit and that. And he told you he told you that and you, that you have to be the CEO of your life. And you sat in your car for a while to reflect on that. Then you went to tell your team about it. I like, wow, that's so amazing. Yeah, it was it was really common. <laughs> in that sense too i'm like i skip leveled my boss and resigned to his boss i'm like it was, the whole yeah. thing was just kind of a big moment in time for me a moment i'll always remember but what what, what gave you that confidence to you know to skip your boss and just move to the higher level too i think i knew i knew the integrity of my vp much more clearer than i knew the integrity of my direct boss and also my VP of sales, I would consider him a visionary. So like if I said to him, like I did, I believe that people before profits is my, that's my leadership mantra. And I believe in it so much that I want to work for a company that has that as their motto. He would see strength in that. Like I knew, even though I was terrified, I think part of me knew he would respond positively to that. And I think that I knew that my director, even though he ended up, he has a, uh, the director that I skip leveled, he has a redemption moment later in the book. But <laughs> yes. um, I think I knew that he might not understand the depth of my why mm. and might challenge me more. And I, I was going to leave regardless and I wanted to leave on good terms. And I thought I would be able to accomplish that more with my VP. Oh, that's good. Yes, that was a wonderful move that you, you, you that you made, and I love the fact that he told you that um, you had the CEO of your life because that statement, you know, f f made you take this these steps that you took, and also made you give back to this wonderful gift of your book that you have blessed us with. Also, mm -hmm. that's awesome. And one thing, one thing I read up in the book also that I found very relatable is that you said you were a people pleaser, and you had this. You worked with this method of the the power through. I yes. need to work method, workout method. And that's, you know, took you through your job, took you through your, your, your marriage. And yeah, and, you know, it's made everything, you know, messed up at, at some points at the end. So can you tell me about how you were able to overcome these people pleasing, well, I call it character or habits, and how you're able to let go of this, the power through and it's a workout method. Yes, sure. So yes, the power through and it will work out method. I think almost mm -hmm. any high achiever can identify with that. And anybody who is very, I always say like, if you're a leader, a leader, whether you're, whether you're in a leadership role or you're a leader in the way you show up in life, I think we have this power through and it will work out method. And I say that because um, we're the optimists, right? We're the ones building the vision. We're the ones um, blazing the trail. And so if we can't find our own inner strength and perseverance, then who can, right? It's up to us. And, <laughs> so, and so that that is where I got tangled up because I thought I was blazing a trail, right? And so yeah. um, I powered through. I went to this new job. Just to give some context to the listeners, I went to this new job and I was very excited. It did align with my leadership mantra. Um, but I think I knew within the first three to four months that something wasn't a fit for me. And instead of really admitting that, 
to myself and to somebody else, I, I powered through because I was aligned to the mission. I did. There are some really wonderful aspects to this company. And I believed in the leadership. I believed in, in how they were showing up. And I just wanted to be a part of it. So that that is what had me powering through. Um, what I didn't know is that when, so I had a situation, I'm just going to digress for two seconds so I can give some more context and that'll give us lots to chew on for this conversation. Right after I had that three to four month, like aha moment of like, maybe this isn't a fit. You, you read in the book, not too long later, I got pulled into the office because I was quote unquote too much, right? Mm. I was showing up with my big tech spreadsheets and ways of looking at sales business. And it was way different from the role that I got hired in. So yeah. they were like, how about you tone it down by about 50% and <laughs> let me take away your spreadsheets too. So mm -hmm. That moment actually made me cry. But what I found fascinating about it in reflection is that instead of, like I say now, like standing in my personal power, I did have that inner people pleaser and I wanted them to like me. I wanted them to approve of me and I wanted to be validated in my decision. I left and took a third of a pay cut to go to this yeah. company. Yeah. I felt like I needed to prove to myself, to my family and to everybody that I wasn't crazy and that, you know, I made the right decision. And so that's a longer answer, but it gives like a lot of color to, the why behind we be behind why we do things sometimes, yes. you know. That's true. Yes, we always want to try to make our you know the people around us proud of us, or to make them to show them that, that yes, we know what we are doing, and yeah, we are what's you know whatever we are doing. Yeah. 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 And and I think that's one of the things that I really wanted to try to get across in the book, and hopefully I did, was that it's not about beating ourselves up for making bad decisions. We actually, I think most of us make really good decisions based upon the information we have at the time and what we think we're doing, right? Like I thought I was providing for my family. I thought I was following a mission mantra. I, I had all the, I would say, right concepts in my head. I was doing things for what I thought was the right reason. I didn't realize that I was disempowering myself in the process. It wasn't until later on down the road that I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Probably made some bad decisions. <laughs> yes, yes. And I love the way you know you, you painted it all out in, in the book. But I would love you to share with me or with us how and when we can admit that things have been messed up and how we can make progress from this rock bottom. Yes, that's really good. So um in the book I curse. So I don't is it okay to <laughs> is it okay to curse on here or no? It's fine. Okay. It, it, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So the name of the chapter, and I'm not gonna curse too much, but it is it is for a reason. It's it's called mm. Admit When Things Are Fucked. And mm. I really wanted to be brash with that because I do have a little bit of education and trauma awareness. And um, sometimes, and actually most of the times, like Tony Robbins uses cursing in his mm. way because it interrupts the pattern in our nervous system. And so that's why I say it like that, because, you know, especially us who have that powering through mechanism, we need that system interrupt. We need to be like, oh my God, things are so effed right now <laughs> that yeah. I can't even move on. And then when mm. you can stop and admit that things aren't, working and they aren't going to plan and just admit like, ow, I have pain in my left shoulder. I've had that for how long? Maybe a year and a half, you know, or I've had daily headaches and I've just ignored them. Or, 
You know, I've been clenching my teeth every night at night. These are the little signs, Toby, that we ignore, right? Mm, And so when I say that term, I'm like, that's when you're at the point when you're admitting things are fucked, there's Mm. a lot of signs that you've been bypassing, right? That's true. And the very, there's a very, um, big power in admitting that things are going sideways and to yourself. And then if you admit them to someone else, I know I've listened to some of your podcasts that like the element of the universe or God, you know, like can come in and support you, but it's, it's hard to get that almost like universal support until you can be like, Hey man, like (laughs) 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 this is a little too much. Hi, friend. Are you enjoying this episode? We would love to hear from you. Kindly send us a feedback. Are you following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, maybe on YouTube and other podcast platforms? Are you following us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook? We would love to connect with you on all platforms. Links and further details are available in the show notes of this episode. Thank you. Yes, that's true. We have to be able to admit it and say, yes, I'm, I've, I've hit rock bottom, basically. And then from that, I believe we were able to, we're going to be able to find our deliverance from whatever issue that we are facing yes. or yeah, circumstances. Yes. And you know, that's that what you did also with, with, your, with your job, basically, right? Like, um, you know, in the, in the next chapter, you talk about, you know, activating your self-worth. And I, one, one, one thing that you wrote today that, that hit me was like, um, whenever you, 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 uh, your net worth, sorry, whenever your net worth is less, then you have to evaluate your self-worth, something like that, like, yes. like an af- life arc. Yeah. So, you know, how can we, I would love to start with, how can we activate our self-worth, especially after experiencing rock bottom or experiencing a, a loss or um, unpleasant changes in our lives? How can we, you know, reactivate that self-worth of ours? That's a really great question. And I'm going to, I'm just going to bring you guys down to the bathroom floor with me because <laughs> that's where my breakdown happened. And yeah. um, I, I think it's a great place to talk about that rise because um, listeners, I hit the bathroom floor and I'm not joking. Like I, powered through for three years. And by the time I had just another really bad day at work on top of three years of powering through, I physically, my body physically couldn't take it anymore. And at like 10 o'clock one night and getting the kids to bed, because I have four kids during this too in middle school. So it's like, and as Toby was saying, death, like I just lost my dad, like a lot of things had happened and um, I couldn't power through anymore. And at 10 o'clock at night, Family's down, I'm washing my face. I hit the floor and I'm just crying. And that's the one I had just admitted out loud that everything to myself, to God, friends, whoever wanted to hear that I had no clue how to move forward. And my rise, like, so my, my darkest and almost like not most embarrassing moment because it has been my, you know, my transcending moment. It's my, my moment of empowerment but before I rose, that was like one of my lowest moments. I fell to the full floor. I felt disempowered. I felt um, hopeless, powerless, like all of those type of emotions. And then I remembered, and I'm not being cheesy when I say this, like that voice from where we started this conversation, my former boss, his voice came into my head and it was like, 
you are the CEO of your life. And I was like, wow, like it was so empowering and I still get the goosebumps now. So if you're a listener and you're like, how do I start even, how do I even start to prioritize myself? How do I even start to reconnect with my self-worth? Let me tell you this, you are the CEO of your life, period. There's always time for you to stand and get your, you know, get your grounding, stand firm in your strength. You might not know what to do, but there is no other person that can be the CEO of your life. And for me, there's more that we can talk about, but I'll pause because that was like my, my moment of empowerment that changed my life. I know you talked about this um, magic carpet ride that, you know, changed your whole life. I would love to hear that story. I would love you to share this story with, with me and the listeners. <laughs> yes. So during my, I got certified as a Kundalini yoga teacher and I did it during this period um, after I was starting in hindsight to feel the, um, to feel the, I guess, side effects of burnout, exhaustion and stuff like that. One of my team, one, I was leading a team and one of my, um, one of the girls on my team, she came and she left this yoga teacher training packet on my desk and suggested that like, hey, you should do this teacher training. And at first when I saw it, I was a little dismissal, but I love signs from the universe and stuff like that. So I was like, okay. And the next thing you know, I'm doing kundalini yoga as a, in, in teacher training and I'm going into like deep meditations that are like hours long and like days long. We're like sitting on a floor on a mat for like days. And so I had wonderful experiences and I call them in the book, all of my magic carpet rides. Um, but one of them in particular, cause I have a couple in the book, but one of them in particular that I really liked and it is in the, the, towards the end in the chapter of success and happiness, which is chapter 12. But I have um, one of my magic carpet rides. I was doing a meditation and they brought us back into tribal experience. Like it was a tribal beat going on and they wanted us to connect with our higher selves and the wisdom from our ancestry and just all sorts of cool stuff like that. And I, you know, I'm like, I have no idea where this is going to go. <laughs> and then like, yeah. we're like, we get into meditation and tribal beats starting. And I, and mm. I found myself back in like an Aborigine type of setting where, you know, I was a hunter as huntress. So as a woman, but I was almost like a priestess in a tribal community I Had short black hair and just like beautiful cocoa skin and like paint on my face. But one of the, there were so many things about that magic carpet ride that was powerful. But one of the things that I think um, I like to talk about a lot, and I don't know if you read this part, but all the bracelets. Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so in this tribal experience that I'm ha having, I had two things that happened. One is the, I, I came into contact with the, the essence of the woman that was I was being portrayed in this in this visualization during the meditation. And there was bracelets all up and down my arms. And then as I look around at my tribal community, everyone had like bracelets, the men and the women. And what the bracelets symbolize is our strengths, not our weaknesses. So they were a way of communicating by vision what people were. Like I get tears thinking about that because like we spend so much time 
in this society hiding and packaging our strengths thousands of years ago or whenever this experience was, we displayed them so that you could see visually from across the field what I might be able to help you with. Like, could you imagine if we were like that today? And that was awesome, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that was one of, just one of my magic carpet rides. That was deep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very, very deep. I would encourage, you know, people to get the book. It's available online. And more information can be found on BeccaPower.com. And you can read more about the magic carpet um, ride that changed Becca's life. And also other stories. There are a lot of stories that, yeah, like even up until now, as in you, you, you've not, you didn't go into depth of them like you went in the book or so. I would love... I want to encourage everyone out there to just get a copy of the book and just read it and, yeah. you know, get some life-changing experiences, basically. Yeah. And one thing, you know, apart from this, you know, this visualization that you also, you talked about, you give like, you know, I think five steps, or you give this um, ladder of self-worth. The ladder self-worth, of self-worth is very important, yeah. yes. Yes. I, when, I, when, I, when I read this, I was like, yes, I mean, Becca must explain this to me. Yeah. Can you, can you please explain yes. this um, ladder? I, I would love to. And I think it ties in really nice to the past two stories that I shared about the bathroom floor and even the bracelets. Um, yeah. Because the ladder of self-worth looks like this. If I take you back to my bathroom floor moment, I think it's pretty easy to see that on the ladder of self-worth, I was probably at the bottom, right? And and so there's five rungs. First, I'll explain the the rungs, and then I'll talk a little bit more about, you know, if you're listening, where you might be and maybe how to identify that and how to climb up the ladder. But there's five rungs, and I'm going to start at the bottom. So, and I'm going to start at what my ladder looked like. So you can visually see how a ladder is probably not supposed to look. <laughs> and then we'll talk about what the ladder should look like. So yes. sitting where I was on the bathroom floor, looking up, my ladder looked like this. Out of the five rungs of priority, my myself, me as Becca was at the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. Then I had like other people, my commitment, soccer practice, all those things. Then I had the universe, God, whatever label you want to put on that, then my family, and then work, like work, beliefs, money, like all of that stuff, what definitely had number one. And a lot of us, regardless, if you're starting to think now, where would I be? Um, I think it's really common to get maybe your job as a number one priority or money because you're trying to provide, not all the times when we have things up above us in priority, again, does it come from a bad place? So if you're listening to this and you're like, God, that's me, don't feel bad about it. Like we all are chasing our dreams, providing for families, doing what we think is the next best thing. But what I can tell you is that if you're not up on the priority list, which I'll explain what a healthy ladder looks like in a second, you're going to end up on the bathroom floor. And I don't want to see anybody (laughs) On the bathroom floor. My mission is like, hey, you are the CEO of your life and actually you deserve a corner office and an executive chair. You don't ever need the bathroom floor. So that's like why I'm here. But, um, you know, so Toby, to your point, what does a healthy ladder look like? Mm. So it looks like moving yourself from, if you find yourself in your reflection at the bottom, it means you're bringing yourself up to the top. In my experience, I had to bring myself to number one. I know when we ha- bring religion and spirituality into the mix, some people really are like, oh, I want God or the universe number one. 
I'm not here to challenge beliefs. And if you want to put God in the universe, number one, that's cool. And put yourself number two. Um, but for me, even in my um, makeup, if I have God in the universe above myself, I'm still in somewhat of a sacrifice mode. I'm still not prioritizing myself. And for me, when I really move myself to that top rung, which I do believe I would encourage everyone to put themselves at, even for a temporary amount of time, because when I thought about it, like, and I have four kids, so I thought about it this way. I'm like, I don't know that I would ever want my kids to put me above them, you know? I don't know that I would ever want my kids to be sacrificing themselves for me. Like, no, mom, you know, get, I'm not going to go to college so I can stay home and take care of you. No, man, I want my kids out thriving. I want them, I want to support them. And when I thought about it from that perspective, I was like, wow, what if, what if instead of me serving God, which I do, or the universe, I'm like, what if I allow the universe to serve me, right? And and to bring me up and hold me and and I could be like, hey, let's go. Like, this is what we're doing. And so it just, it was a little bit flip of um, perception, but I needed to be held, right? Mm, and so to yes, have yes. the universe under me and rung two, I felt I could stand. And so mm. I would say for the ladder of self-worth, I want to see the person, you, listener, you, Toby, me, in one or two, but I'll let your beliefs dictate where you go, but I just wanted to give some color around that. And then three would be your immediate relationships. Those are the ones that should be getting the most of you. Um, in my scenario, my relationships were kind of towards the top, but um, everything, but the, <laughs> but my work and job got so much of me that even though they were a priority, they didn't get much of me at all. And um, so that's why as we go through this, I have you, the you, know, you, the universe, your intimate relationships, relationships, then your secondary relationships. These could be like your work relationships, your social circle, you know, your commitments, whatever, community, all of those things. And then lastly, it would actually be your job, money, beliefs, and all of this stuff. So it was like, mind-blowing to people sometimes they're like I think you got it all wrong well you can see in the book when I got my ladder right and I was able to rise up into my self-worth my net worth increased like yes. like I can only make a sound for it because like yeah. it doubled yeah. and then tripled and I was like Oh my God, this is all I wanted the whole time, but I had my priorities all mixed up. So I hope I didn't take too much time explaining that, but I'd like giving some detail around it. Yeah, that, that's so wonderful. But yeah, I mean, it's always important for us to get our priorities right and to get the, that order right as you, you know, arrange it in the wrongs, basically. So for someone out there who is wondering, um, how can I detect, how can I identify when my priorities are not set right? You know, sometimes we, we, we could be working on things and thinking um, everything all right, everything's wonderful, but things, are not, things don't seem to be working well, but you, do, you still cannot identify why it's not working well. So can you like give him some tips or some insight into how we could detect the areas where we have to change our priorities in order to get things right? Yes. What are you complaining about? That, uh, that is the key. Because again, yeah. in, in the um, powering through persona, 
we know, but we don't know, right? Because we're powering through. We got this. You know, I remember so many times I was like affirmation. I'd set myself. I'm like, I'm powerful. I'm strong. And like, I would I'd like go into work, like amped up. And then I'd come back. I'd be like, God, I had another, like to my husband, like I had another long day. This team, you know, yeah. this person did this and this person did that. And now yeah. I feel drained. So just in that scenario, I have a list. I feel drained. Yeah. I had a hectic day. So there's hecticness. I'm drained. Um, there's, you know, people are doing crazy things. I don't have control, which is fine. I don't always have to have control. But I think sometimes my point is, is that the answers are a lot more simple and in front of us than we care to admit. And so, but in just that example, I was giving my work. In that example, I, I, I was dedicated to that 12-hour day. You know, so like yes, just in that example, yes. my job was above me. My team was above me. My then I get home and I'm telling my husband how crazy and horrible everything was. And then I'm like, oh, but I got to cook you guys dinner, which is fine. But like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, to answer your question, I think the answer is a little bit more um, right in front of us. If we gave ourselves an honest self-assessment, which is where I start the book, too. Yes, that's true. Yes, yes. That's that's very true. Like a lot of things that we, we overlook because of this our power and power through and to work out methods. And those are those are the things we are supposed to go back and reassess basically to get an healthy perspective on life. Mm. Yes, yes. And this this the life arc I was referring to earlier was you know you, you wrote that if your net worth is low, you may want to evaluate your self worth. Yes, sir. I read this and I was like. Wow, and you know you wrote about you know your your your, your net worth at that moment, and how you increased it also. So I would love to know how our net worth is connected to our self worth, and how how can we increase both of them? How can we increase our net worth and our self worth? That's you can do that by pri- prioritizing yourself. Let me tell you this. So in that situation, I've already in the storytelling said that I took a third of my pay cut. Right, I took a third pay cut to go to this company. Mm. Boom, self worth already impacted, net worth <laughs> impacted yeah. in one swoop, in one decision. It was like, and then all that disempowerment caused more financial stress, more of this. So, I want to kind of bring into that like that feeling of when it isn't working out because I think a lot of people can identify with that your paycheck to paycheck, your wondering where things are going to come from. And so you're afraid to make decisions because you're like, I can't leave this job because I need to pay the bills. And, and so, but every time we compromise ourselves, we're impacting our self-worth. And every time we impact our self-worth, we're compromising our net worth. Right. That's true. And so that it was in my rise from the bathroom floor that I realized that how much the two had a correlation. And so I want to give you the opposite example now. Mm-hmm. I had, we had talked about admitting when things are fucked and then calling a friend and all of that. So, yeah. hey, I fell to the bathroom floor. There's no lower I could go. So the next day, mm-hmm. I call my best friend, my work best friend. That's what I call her, Jessie. And I tell her, I'm like, hey, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't power through. I ended up on the bathroom floor last night, but I feel empowered today because I am the CEO of my life. I have no idea what that means. All I know is I'm going to walk in and we can talk about boundaries in a second, but I'm going to walk into work with some boundaries. I'm not going to compromise myself and I'm going to stand in my power and I'm going to look for another job. And she's like, 
this is what I mean. You just got to tell people sometimes that you don't have it all figured out. Cause she's like, I got you. I'm going to make a phone call for you. And within 24 hours, she got me the interview to the job that I would ultimately three later, three months later quit to go to. And in one swoop of restoring my self-worth and not knowing it's okay. I had to be okay with not knowing. I don't know where this is going to go, but all I know is I'm not willing to compromise myself anymore. I got an offer for almost double of what I was making. Yeah. And that moment I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> those two <laughs> things are connected. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. Because by the time your, your, your net worth increases, your self worth also basically increases. Too. Yeah, it's, it, well, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah, you start feeling that money, you're like, yeah, that feels yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I feel like $300,000 um, per month or yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. Like, when we look at it in the, in the in the sense of it, yes, that's true. Like they are, they are, they are intertwined, basically. They're mm -hmm. connected. Yes. But yes. <laughs> what I'd like to encourage like the, the listeners is that it does start with your self-worth, though. It's easy to feel mm -hmm. self-worth rise when your net worth is rising. It's not as easy to feel your self-worth rise when you're on the bathroom floor or you're living paycheck to paycheck. And what I want you, what the, the message I want you to hear is you are the CEO of your life. If you can pause, like Toby was saying in the beginning, if you can pause, reflect, and he talks about this in his show a lot and reevaluate, you can make different decisions. And it's in those little decisions of, um, I always like to say, and I learned this from one of my, my mentors, that choice has two paths, only two paths. Our choices either serve us or they sabotage us. Mm. And the more you make choices that serve you, the more your self-worth will increase. Yes. Yeah. So we have to make those right decisions in order to yeah, become the CEO of our own life, basically. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. You know, and one thing that could stop us from becoming the sea of our lives are these um, beliefs, this limitation, these limiting beliefs that we set upon ourselves. So how can we break free? How can we empower ourselves and break free from the limitations that we put upon ourselves and the ones that, you know, the people around us, the loving people around us place on us also? Yeah, I think it comes back to... Um, I don't want to oversimplify it, but also I do want to like kind of just illuminate it a little bit is pausing to recalibrate. Like so many times we get stuck in a belief of um, whatever our belief says, but I had a limited belief that said I have, and this is my issues from growing up. I have a, had a limited belief that I have to earn things. I have to work really hard and earn them. And I have to prove it because I got a lot of my people pleasing. I got a lot tied up in validation and approval. Well, sitting on the bathroom floor, there was no other place I had to go. I had to look at my beliefs and say, are these things really helping me or are they hurting me, you know? Yeah. And uh, I wish that I would have given myself permission to explore my beliefs more frequently so that I, I didn't have to, to get so low before mm. I rose again. So my answer to that is pausing to ask yourself, is this still working for me? Like. You know, is it supporting me or are these beliefs hurting me? Because yeah. beliefs can be changed. That's true. Yes. Yeah, no, it's a, you know, we have all these 
stubborn beliefs also and we just have to find a way you uh, th- i'm so thankful that you, you wrote about them so like having these old stubborn beliefs and you call them and... old stubborn beliefs they just hang on man you're like you're still yeah. here <laughs> <laughs> but you have to find a way to to break through from them you have to find a way to create new policies for yourself and also um set healthy boundaries yes and um, that's one thing i want to ask also like how can we set healthy boundaries for ourselves how can we finally break free from these old stubborn beliefs and patterns and create the new policies for ourselves and stay and stick to that healthy boundaries that we, we set for ourselves i think the first thing is you know we talked about that ladder of self-worth but really what it is is giving yourself permission to say yes to yourself and that sometimes requires you to say no to other people. And that, again, kind of gets tied up in beliefs, that tie- kind of gets tied up in image, that kind of gets tied up in, in validation and approval. It's uncomfortable. And I'm not going to sit on the side and tell listeners that standing up and being the CEO of your life is, is going to be easy. It's empowering as hell and it's fun and it's this but it is also hard because that means now that you have accountability, it means now that you have responsibility. And with that, like CEOs have to make really tough decisions, right? And, um, you know, I had to make some really hard decisions once I rose into my own CEO that um, saying yes to every, attending every meeting, saying yes to being project lead, saying yes to being team mom, Um, too many yeses meant I had no time for myself. I had no space for myself. I had no hobbies. I had no, no nothing. So, um, you know, kind of in that space of creating new policies for yourself and putting in one big boundary, one big bad boundary is um, giving yourself permission to say no to other people, places, and things so that you can start saying yes to yourself. And that is like one tip that I would recommend uh, the listeners to try. Yes, and, and I believe in, in the pattern that you shared already or in the um, the ladder um, method that you shared already. Like whenever you place yourself on top, um, you, are not, you won't be overwhelmed by the, all the things you will have placed above you, basically. You won't be overwhelmed by your work, by the relationships. But by the time you place yourself on top, you are able to pull other things up with you, basically. Yes. That way, oh, I yes. get the goosebumps as you say that, Toby, but that's absolutely right. It, yeah. Everything supports you. It's incredible to be able to have such a 180 degree turnaround yes that's true yes wow uh, that's what i wish for myself for you and for everyone that's listening out there like that's 180 degree turnaround to something greater something much more mm-hmm. awesome and becoming the, the chief ceo of your life basically from ceo to the chief ceo to the <laughs> yes. <I don't> <laughs> go as high as you can <laughs> exactly yes i one thing that um no, that stuck with me also in your book is in chapter eight, where you talked about the power of and. Ooh, that's one of my favorite <laughs> conversations. Wow. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so can you, um, I would love you to tell me what, what the power of and is. How, how can we replace us with and? Yeah, so replacing or with and. This was another thing that was almost as a severe aha in my life as you are the CEO of your life because... I was working, I mentioned as a Fortune 500 sales leader, I um, was a mom, I had all these different, I say that we wear metaphorical hats. So listeners, you can just identify your metaphorical hats. Who are you at work? Who are you at home? Do you Are you a wife? Are you a husband? Are you a brother or a sister? Mm-hmm. Like once you start putting up all your labels, most people can get to 10 metaphorical hats <laughs> really quick, right? 
Yes. And we have been conditioned, whether it's society or upbringing, whatever it is, to kind of just show up as that singular person, not a whole person, but like, if I'm showing up to work, I need to be work Becca. I'm not allowed to be mom Becca. I'm not allowed to be yogi Becca. I'm not, I got to be work Becca. And what I have found is that, or that limitation um, was really harming me. It was fragmenting me and taking a lot of my energy. And it takes a lot of energy for us to show up only as partial selves, right? And so it was a little bit of a funny story, but we mentioned that I ended up taking this uh, yoga teacher training. And so I was taking yoga teacher training and then I had this like corporate job. So the long story short is my yoga community was like, oh, I bet you can't wait till you quit your corporate career because that must be killing your soul. And I'm like, I actually love my career. Like I I had no intentions of quitting, right? I just, I happened to like corporate sales and I also happened to like yoga. Like, is that okay? So anyway, it was kind of just funny because I was like, no guys, I'm not quitting my job. I just also like yoga. And then at work, they were like, you're crazy. Like, how are you're going to quit this job to go be a yoga teacher. They're like, Becca, you do know yoga teachers don't make any money. Right. And I was like, it never dawned on me that I would be leaving my job to become a yoga teacher. teacher. (laughs) And it was kind of like in that using that story, but it was that pulling, like I felt, and I wrote in the book, I felt like I was being pulled in two different directions. And yet I'm one person that truly enjoys both. And it was in that space that I was like, I just need to give myself permission to be both. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, you talk about self-worth and empowerment. That was a rush of empowerment. I'm like, oh my gosh, I am both. And then it made me feel even more empowered. I'm like, how many more ands can I put in this? Like I'm a yogi <laughs> and a, you know, a corporate sales leader. I'm a yes. yogi corporate sales leader and a mom, you know, yes. I can want to be driven and have a six figure career and it doesn't make anything else less about me. Right. I can be yeah, all yes. of it. And so like, once I started shouting like the power of and from the rooftops, more people were like, Oh, oh that feels so much better. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yes. What, 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 one could ask, like, how do you balance it all, Becca? Like, you know, being a sales lead and also being a, a yoga teacher and being a mom and you have relationships, you have friends, your family. How do you then balance it all together? Comes back to my one big boundary. And that's putting myself first and giving yeah. myself permission to say yes to myself first and no to other people second. And it's all in there. Cause I get to like, that's like my saying, I get to have it all without sacrificing it all because, Mm -hmm. and it does mean, and this is what I like to say to listeners. It does mean that I miss out on things. Don't get me wrong, but my energy, I'm not missing out on my energy. I'm not missing out on feeling life. I'm not missing out on my hobbies, I get to say yes to the things that in this moment in time are really serving me. And Toby, one thing that I think is super important as we explore this power of and, and also this big boundary is that we're humans, we evolve. And so what works for me, what is my yeses today might not be my yeses tomorrow. And that's why 
um, this pausing, one of the things that I do well right now and why I wrote the book is because I, I constantly pause now to reevaluate mm-hmm. like every 90 days, like just like a CEO would, they have quarters in business. You know, you have Q1, Q2, Q3, every 90 days I pause and I just do a quick little brainstorm. What's working? What's not working? What do I like? What do I not like? Cause I come off, I'm human. I'm not perfect at this by any means, but I am stopping. I am pausing, I am reflecting, and I'm recalibrating, which allows me on the greater picture, like I have bad days, but in a bigger picture, that's how I'm able to do it. That's true. Yes, yes, that's very true. And that, I mean, just it requires us to always, you know, to always stop and reevaluate, and that we're able to recalibrate all, basically in our mm-hmm. lives. Yeah. Yes. Wow. And so, how would you say um, you converted all your pain, like, you know, being on the bathroom floor? into purpose today like you know you took all of this experience yes. and you are now using it to impact other people's life so how would you advise us to take our pain our um, bad experiences of life yeah. and turn it into purpose thank you for asking about that because i think it's probably it is my closing chapter but it, it's probably yeah. the part that i get to talk about the least um but i also think it's the most important because we all have a story we have all been, I think if one thing we, everybody can relate in, like if you're talking to an audience or a group, like has anybody been through pain and everyone raises their hands, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, and everyone's That's like, true. oh, you don't know what I've been through. And the other person's like, you don't know what I've been through. Yeah. You know? And, um, <laughs> you know, what I encourage listeners to do is really, you know, there's, um, I, I do have a little bit of a trauma background and I studied it because I've been through a lot which you would, you know, find out more in the book. But what I want to say is that, you know, there's a certain level where you're, where you do fall into victimhood initially when you've gone through a horrible situation and then you kind of heal and some people move on from it and they don't really talk about it again. And so there's different levels of how people cope with pain and trauma that they've been through. But when I finally got to a point of saying, okay, this thing happened and it's not going away. It's just, mm-hmm. I might be a little more detached from it. I might yeah. um, not be as hurt by it anymore, but it's still there. And I think for me, I use the analogy of a roller coaster in the book, but it's like I could either go through life holding on to this pain and gripping, if you're using the analogy of a roller coaster, I could go through life gripping the bars, keeping my eyes closed, and just quenching through the entire experience just waiting for it to be over. Or or I can say, wow, okay, I've got an opportunity to ride this roller coaster again. You know, I can grab the bars and I can look out with wonder and just, you know, smile and anticipate what's coming around the corner next and just Mm -hmm. ride the roller coaster from a different perspective. And it was when I kind of got that, like, hey, I have choice of how I want to show up. And when I realized that I had more choice in it than I thought I had, I was able to reflect back on my pain and say, oh my gosh, everything I went through, there's a way I can share this. That's like, like, as if I'm sharing, as I'm sharing the story with you guys, I'm not in my wound, right? I'm in, I'm in the story. I'm able to say, here's the gemstones that I found from it. And here's how you might be able to apply them to your life. And that is really where I think all of our, all of us have gemstones. All of us 
have gemstones from our pain that we can say, this is how we turned ourselves around. And, you know, here's, you know, how you might be able to take whatever lessons from what I've learned and apply them to your own life, you know, and that's how, for me, you start turning your pain to purpose. And then from this place of purpose, like you're in your purpose now, you're, you're helping people, you're in with your podcast. And like when you're able to kind of transform that story and then you hear a listener write into you and say, oh, thank you for making that episode on that topic. I really needed that. Or someone writes me like I had my, my first person that I don't know at all email me and said, I needed your book. You know, I was getting bullied at work and I have so much more to offer. I was becoming disempowered and now they're interviewing and getting an offer that was way above what they were getting at their current employer and yes. they're being seen for their value and their worth. Mm-hmm. Like that's it, you know, yes. that's it. And so yes. um, longer answer, but so important. Like everyone's yes. pain has purpose, even yes. if you don't think it does. Yes, I, I love that answer. That's so wonderful. Like not allowing those pain or bad experiences of life to pull you down, but you should use it as a stepping stone in order to climb up that ladder and place yourself first and increasing your self-worth, increasing your net worth also, and basically empowering yourself to become the CEO of your own life, basically. So, so, so for people out there who would love to, you know, uh, maybe connect with you in order to get across to you for coaching, because I know you, you offer coaching also, life mm-hmm. coaching to people, or maybe yoga also, or so just some advice, or maybe to ask you more questions um, sure. that we were not able to cover in this episode. Like, what's the best way to connect and, and work with you? I always say that um, social media is always a good way to stay constantly connected. And I'm on three platforms and I have the same handle across each one. So I'll start with the handle. It's at Becca Powers 1313. And that is Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Um, As far as, you know, coming a little more deeper into my world, I have, um, you can get on my mailing list and get some freebies too. So I didn't even tell you this, Toby, but if you go to, um, beccapowers.com forward slash podcast freebies. And I'll give Toby the link so he can include it in the show notes. It'll have the self-assessment that I have in the book mm-hmm. and a um, and a little article I wrote on how to create change when you feel stuck. So that way you can start getting unstuck right away, getting that self-assessment going, which we both feel is so valuable. And then you'll be in my email world. So when I do release coaching programs and workshops and things like that, you'll be first to know. Yes, that would be so awesome. I'm going to place all of these links in the show notes of this episode. So you can just copy them or, or you know, click on them and get across to Becca Powers and get across to our different platforms and order the book also. If you go to BeccaPowers.com, you'll find the options, the various options in which you can get access yes. to the book. Yes. Yes. Thank, I'm like, oh yeah, so the book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I do, I do, I do have the book, and I encourage everyone to get the book also. It's it's a wonderful workbook, a wonderful book filled with stories. You talk about um, Grandma West. In, in oh my gosh, she's awesome. <laughs> yeah, she is. Every, everyone needs a Grandma West. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> with, 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 her, with her car coming down the road, you know, with the music and, you know, happiness is not money. Different stories that I don't want to give out now. I want everyone to just get the book and read it and just enjoy the wonderful story and wonderful life experience that Becca has been opportuned or blessed to experience. Thank you so much, Becca. Yeah, thank you so much, Toby. Wow, Wow. you made it to the very end of this episode. 
thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye. Bye.